to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of scripture and theology. We're normally, right now, working our way through the book of Galatians, and that is an incredible study, not because of me, but because of the book of Galatians. It's just absolutely chock full of just pure hundred proof gospel, which is amazing. But today is Westminster Wednesday, so we're going to take a break from that and look at the Westminster Confession. We've been working our way through the Confession, and we're up to Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 3, Paragraph 5. We're still dealing with the decrees of God, and this paragraph in particular, I think, should be very comforting to us. Let me pray for us, and then I'll read this paragraph, and we'll talk through the theology that is communicated. Father, we thank you for... Uh, making yourself known to us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that our salvation, our justification, our standing with you depends wholly on you, that our calling depends wholly on you and your unchangeable will and your unchangeable, unending grace for sinners. We pray, Father, that as we look at this section of the confession, that you would help us by your spirit to understand who and how you are. In Christ's name, amen. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 3, paragraph 5, says this. Those of mankind that are predestinated unto life, God, before the foundation of the world was laid, according to his eternal and immutable purpose and the secret counsel of, and good pleasure of his will, hath chosen in Christ unto everlasting glory out of his mere grace and love, without any foresight of faith or good works or perseverance in either of them or any other thing in the creature as conditions or causes moving him thereunto and all to the praise of his glorious grace. Now, this is one of those sections, the confession, that can, can feel a little bit convoluted. But if you, if you just take it, and uh, I've copied it into a little document here and outlined it based on just the clause structure all of a sudden you start to see what exactly is going on and it's beautiful. So I'm going to walk you through that. Those of mankind that are predestinated unto life. So that's who God is, the confession is talking about here. That God is, is, we're going to look at what God has done for those people. For those, we've talked about the reality of predestination, of God calling people to himself, of, of foreknowledge of all those things. And so we're going to talk about what that means. And, and what it means is that God, and then he gives us the time that he has done something, before the foundation of the world was laid. So when we talk about them being predestined, what we're going to see, we're going to talk about them being chosen and all of that, that this was something that happened before the foundation of the world was laid, that this decree to save came before the decree to create. So whatever it is that we're going to read here about our predestination Already, just based on the timing of it, it has to be dependent on something other than you and I, because we were predestined unto life before the foundation of the world was laid. And then another clause, another prepositional phrase uh, that has two objects in it, according to, one, his eternal and immutable purpose, and two, the secret counsel and good pleasure of his will. So what he has done, we haven't gotten to the verb yet, but we're going to see next that it's, he's chosen some people. That was done before the foundation of the world, and that was done according to two things, God's eternal and immutable purpose. So the purpose of election, the purpose of 
God calling people to himself is unchangeable. That's what this word immutable means. We're not going anywhere. If we are those of the elect, if we are those of that have been predestinated by God, if we are those who he has chosen, his purpose in that isn't going to be different tomorrow. And this was done according to the secret counsel and good pleasure of his will. We read in John how the will of man, the flesh, is, is no help at all, that it's got to be God that does this, and that's exactly what the confession is teaching us here the secret counsel and good pleasure of his will. We don't know, this is the secret counsel part, we don't know why God has chosen whom he has chosen. We only know that he has, and that he has done it according to his will, but not even begrudgingly. It was his good, the good pleasure of his will. He was pleased to draw us to himself. He was pleased to choose us. And that's the next clause, the verb. God hath chosen. When? Before the foundation of the world. How? According to his eternal purpose, his good will, his secret counsel, all of that, he hath chosen. That's what God has done. He has chosen those that, are been, that have been predestinated unto life. And then it gives us several prepositional phrases, four prepositional phrases about this choosing. First of all, he hath chosen us in Christ. Again, before the foundations of the world, he chose us in Christ. This is why Paul can so confidently say that whatever comes to pass is for the good of those that God has called according to his purpose. So he has chosen us in Christ. The, the very foundation of our justification stands from before the foundation of the world. He has chosen us unto everlasting glory. In other words, his choosing, again, this is stating it in a different way, it doesn't change and it extends into the everlasting. And he has chosen us for glory eternal. We tend to talk about this idea as heaven. Then he has chosen us out of his mere free grace and love. He's chosen us because he loved us and he's chosen us because he decided freely, we've talked about this, that he's not bound by anyone or anything or any idea. He is utterly free. And in his freedom, and in the freedom of his grace, and in his love, he's chosen us. That was what motivated him in choosing us, was his free grace and his love. He has chosen us, without any foresight of. And then the Westminster Divines, the, the authors of the Westminster Confession, list several things here. So what they're doing in this section is reminding us that our choosing, our being chosen, rather, wasn't based on God seeing something good in us in the future. As, as the Molinists have, have talked about and, and people that, that work hard to deny the realities of God being sovereign in salvation, God hasn't actually looked down the corridors of time to see who would believe in him and then kind of retroactively chosen him. The confession is saying absolutely not. He hath chosen without any foresight of faith, first of all. It wasn't because he saw that 
given the right conditions, we would believe that he chose us with no foresight of faith, without any foresight of good works. It wasn't that he saw us and said, if I choose this one, they'll do good at honoring me with their life, so I'm going to choose them. No, without any foresight of good works, without any foresight of perseverance in either of these things, it says. In other words, without any foresight of us persevering well in the faith or in good works. See, he just, he didn't choose us because he looked down the corridors of time and saw that we would be good Christian kids or good Christian adults. That wasn't the basis of his choosing us. The basis of his choosing us was his eternal and immutable purpose, the secret counsel and good pleasure of his will, his free grace and love. And then just kind of as a catch-all, the, the Westminster Divines remind us he has chosen us without any foresight of any other thing in the creature as conditions or causes moving him thereunto. There was nothing that he saw in you and I, dear Christian, that made him think, that's who I want on my team. There, it just That's not how it works. That's not the basis of our being chosen. And then he tells us all, all, the confession tells us that all of this is to the praise of his glorious grace. He did it that he might be glorified, that his grace might be exalted. Now, we see these ideas in a number of places. For instance, in Acts chapter 13, verse 48, towards the end of the story of Paul and Barnabas preaching at Pisidian Antioch, uh, um, we see, we read this, the Gentiles heard this, talking about the gospel, the, the, the promise of the gospel to the Gentiles, the Gentiles heard this and they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. That's the reality of our salvation. We read in Romans chapter five, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then, of course, the chapter, first chapter of Ephesians, we see a lot of the language in this section of the confession comes straight from Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. That's what the confession is summarizing. These great doctrines that are laid out all throughout the Bible. We only read three examples of where we see this taught. And this should be an encouragement to us because it reminds us that beginning to end, our election, our being chosen, our being predestined, our calling, all of those things is entirely, entirely of God's grace. He didn't do any of it because he thought we were a good pick for his team. He did it simply, as the confession says, out of his mere free grace and love, the good pleasure of his will. 
See, that's why we say that our justification, that, that salvation, that the gospel is gracious, because it depends entirely on God being satisfied to show grace to people that are sinners. And so predestining us unto life. This isn't a mean doctrine as some try to make it. This is a doctrine of incredible comfort because it reminds us that our being predestined, our standing with God, depends entirely on Him. And so we can rest. Because He is the one who has called us. He is the one who has chosen us. He is the one who will keep us. Because He has chosen us unto everlasting glory, according to His unchangeable purpose. So, dear Christian, rest in the sovereign grace of your God. Amen. Mm -hmm.